Hi, I'm Tony Riddle, and this is the Nat Life Pod, a platform for conversation to help close the gap between wellness as an industry and wellness as a state of being. Big shout out to this episode's sponsor, XL Coffee. XL are renowned organic coffee producers here in the UK who have gone to extraordinary lengths to ensure their coffee is mold-free and has kept its antioxidant potency. XL are waking up the world of coffee. I'm a big fan and recommend you go give them a try. Use discount code NatLifePod at checkout. Details are in the show notes. On this episode, I'm behind the mic with my good friend, Jeff Lester, also known as the Cacao Bear. That's what I know him as. Jeff is one authentic being who, through the pursuit of presence, has fully lent in and let go of all that wasn't serving him. Through Jeff's pursuit, he has unlocked something quite profound, which has enabled him to become the full expression of his unique gifts and talents. Jeff's embodiment of practice and full surrender to service enables him to hold a space to a level that only a few I know can. Jeff has an incredible backstory, and we unpack his story of how he transitioned from a 300-pound, unhappy man with an engineering background to the light, bright, conscious, feeling, loving, intuitive being that he is today. Hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Much love to you, legends. Jeff. Hey, brother. How are you doing? Mm, So good to be here. Welcome. Well, welcome to the pod, but you've been here all weekend, so welcome is a as welcome as can be in this moment, right? Yeah. It's been great again having you here. Being in your presence, because it is so present. That's what's so amazing. Um How is it, Jeff, that presence? Mm. You know? Cultivating that presence. How's that been? What's the story behind the presence? Because it's some story, right? It's a journey. Mm. Presence is expansive. And presence is here right now. Mm. And presence is the greatest gift I've ever been able to give and receive to myself, to others. And in touching that and experiencing that for myself, realizing the gift that it is became a fascination and a desire to share that with others because I see how disconnected I've been in my past, how fulfilling it is to be present and connected in the moment and how nourishing that is for others Mm. and how that creates a shift for others. And the story I like to share about that is In my early 20s, I went through a phase of questioning, which is a beautiful phase to be in, to be questioning, to be curious. And it was blended with this ego of needing to be right, needing to have things figured out. So the questioning was about figuring things out. It was uh, wanting to have the next step of rightness and also what facilitated that was the experience of something being off in my life, a void or something missing. And I feel like we can connect with that, the listener, you, me. Mm, All of us. 
So that sent me off on a journey in my early 20s, reading, reading, getting information, self-development books, psychology books, books about habits, books about finding ourselves. And I remember getting half a dozen of these books in and I was still a student at uni and I was on a vacation, I was on a break and I was in the in the living room with my dad. And I go, dad, I've been reading these books and it's the, the through line. There's a through line that I'm experiencing these books. And I started to experience the through line, the importance and value of presence and whatever that is. And my dad said, well, yeah, presence is everything. And in that moment, I said, well, I'm here, aren't I? How could I not be present? And I, but that's, there, I mean, that's an amazing question, right? Right. To conjure up. To conjure up. And it was a few years later searching. And, and interestingly enough, that void grew the more information and practices I was reading about rather than embodying mm, which we the talked void a lot grew. about this weekend. Right? Yeah. So as that void began to grow, grow I found myself, uh, and it, beautiful position of attending a yoga studio. And that's a big transition in of itself, going from a uh, career path and engineering and academia. And by the way, like the, the whole point of that is how could I be here? Uh, how could I not be present? I'm here, aren't I? Is the recognition that I was so fixated on the material experience I was having, and I had yet to explore observing my thought process from the place of an observer, from seeing, oh, these are Jeff's thoughts. They mm -hmm. aren't Jeff. So I was disconnected from, in that statement, that moment, from the possibility of seeing that, and even what's beyond seeing that, to lose it all, to be fully present. And as the void grew, and I was getting more adamant about finding answers, universe provides, mm -hmm. found myself at a yoga studio in a beautiful space, a beautiful community in London. I had transitioned to living in London. And at the time I was a student again, I had transitioned to studying biomechanics at Roehampton University, just to have a visa, to be honest with you. And I found myself at this yoga studio practicing because it was a wonderful way to connect with community. A few months I'd say a couple of months into that, I had gotten myself into a pattern that was totally dysfunctional related to my baggage, related to uh, the way I related with food and exercise. So I had this vicious cycle going on of overeating or binge eating in the evening and then attempting to exercise myself out of that loop physically. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. It's almost like the punishment reward Absolutely. That we bring in. Yeah. Yeah. So I was so in that. And the yoga practice, which is what the yoga practice does, is it's like a technology for elevating consciousness, for, for cultivating awareness. I started to recognize this pattern. I was no longer disconnected from it whilst I was in it. I was seeing myself acting and behaving in such a way that was out of alignment with what I wished to create. And interestingly enough, that created more suffering. And so I got to this place where... I'd stay up late, whether it was on the phone or 
with a bellyache because I ate too much, whatever it was. And I'd wake up feeling like crap the next morning and I'd press snooze, press snooze, press snooze, press snooze until I had about five minutes to get ready, brush my teeth and get to class. In a hyper alert state. Hyper alert state. And getting aware of that hyper alert state and being curious about a different possibility was one of the best awarenesses I ever had. And that along with the support of the community at the time, I was in a 40 day program and I started sharing about this and it was quite vulnerable for me to say that, you know, the Jeff that really wants to be right and have it all figured out that wall that I had put up. And that's very much coming from the engineering background that, yeah, I've got some, some things I'd like to work on. And I believe this yoga practice and this community can support that. And we were talking about morning routines and I had heard all the amazing benefits of meditation. And I, I realized I can load myself with information. I can load myself with how good meditation can be and talk about the benefits. And if I've never experienced them, well, what good is that? So I committed, I said to this group, I said, I'm going to start. And it was a strong commitment. It was in front of people. I'm going to start waking up at least an hour before I need to get ready. At least an hour before I need to get ready. Because I made that commitment to myself and in a community of support, I started doing it. I started figuring out how to fill that space, how to fill the can be tormenting sometimes if we don't know how to well, fill that a, space. Fill that space, but there's a feel. Yeah, exactly. And to be in that connection. Yeah. So luckily, I started a meditation practice and I started using Headspace app. I started practicing with a candle. I started setting a timer for five minutes. And part of my commitment was to practice meditation every day for 30 days or for the 40 days. And after a few weeks, of going through the, the difficulties of a busy mind and wondering if this five minutes is ever going to end and taking a peek over at the clock and seeing that three minutes has passed, of course. <laughs> thinking it's been an hour. <clears throat> to give you some context of how busy my mind was and how my energy was, restless, absolutely restless. And eventually that broke into another layer of, oh, I can see my thoughts. I can observe them. I can see this busyness. I can be in the practice of recognizing, oh, I've seen that thought process. I can let it go. Mm. I've seen that process. I can let it go. I've experienced that before. I've experienced and I've, that. And I've emerged from it, the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And even just the awareness that, oh, I'm caught up in a thought. I'm in a fantasy right now. And, he, and then that, even in that moment, back into the present. So I learned what it was to step away from that. And then I, I experienced what it was to become aware of that and then to, to step away from that. And how's that feeling of stepping away from it? What so spacious, so different than being in it. And I found myself walking to the yoga studio some mornings and I'd be in a thought process. And then I'd look up and I'd see the trees and I'd realize I was in the thought process. And I have this moment of Satori, the Buddhists call it Satori, a moment of ah, expanded experience. Mm. And I started to tap into this is what presence is. This is that feeling. This is the feeling. So that kickstarted me on my meditation journey. And I, wow, the fruit was there. The fruit was in the practice. 
And I'm very grateful that I was able to will myself at the beginning past the stages of restlessness and busy mind. Well, of course, I still have a busy mind even to this day. I can step away from it so efficiently, so effectively, and I can become aware. To get back into the moment. To get back into the moment. How, how do you think the, like the, 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 the yoga community or the community that you'd slide into, was there a level of accountability within that process, that 30-day dedication yeah. that you'd given yourself? Absolutely. Was there a check-in with that? Yeah, there was a weekly check-in for this yeah. particular program, 40 days. and Helps to have that support, right? It helps to have that support. And also, it, I had gotten to the to the threshold where I had had enough with where I was. And this is by, by this time in my journey, I've gone through big, you know, big transformations, weight loss, quit a pathway in engineering. And now yoga seems to be this practice. And it, and it became a practice that I gave trust to as I recognized that I had some things to work through. What if this yoga practice can support me in that? And the and the yoga community there, and I still work with them, the House of Yoga is uh, brilliant and inviting and also more accessible. And when I say accessible, I mean, instead of always using the language of yoga and esoteric and uh, what could seem, could be easy to disconnect to from a Western mind, accessible self-development practices, psycholo psychological practices within a community, and the intention to embody that within the community. So me saying and stepping up, I'm going to do this and being able to check in and being firm in my commitment with it allowed me to create the space. And it was fascinating because then I started doing the yoga teacher training. I started to be more formally educated in the practices and the science of yoga and meditation is a part of that. Yoga is the experience. Meditation is a a uh, practice that facilitates getting to the experience of yoga, of union, of connection. So, yeah, well, most view yoga, many in the West view yoga as it's on the mat, right? Yes. And really it's almost everything outside the mat. 23 hours of the day. Yeah. How can I take the experience I'm creating for myself by utilizing this tool, this technique, these tools, these practices, and allow that to, to be transformative, allow that to be transformational, and then take that and share that, uh, you know, in, in my life. So that was a huge shift for me. There's, a, there's well, talking transformation, because there's a massive shift. Like, if you were to go, if you were to think engineering, like, almost like hyper-analytical. Exactly. To then find feeling even. Yes. Within that. To then become an observer, you know, because how much of the observer are we when we're in that analytical mind? Right. It, it happened the other way for me that I became an observer and then I started to connect with sensation and feeling mm. to be present with what's happening inside me. So it was a mental aspect. So I still had the rational aspect, the ability to observe. And still it took more time to get into my body. So we have the classic statement hey get out you're in your head get out of your head mm. and that leaves us with where to go though mm. where to put the attention yeah and even to recognize that i have a faculty of directing my attention into something that i can then have an experience of that which would be for me in this healing journey the the body the sensations and then from that awareness recognizing that oh 
So it's, it's this sensation that I try to avoid by eating or binge eating, numbing out with food because from my childhood, food was my, was my drug of choice. That was your pacifier. Yeah, it was my pacifier. So what happens now if I get curious about exploring that sensation mm -hmm. and seeing what happens? And that just absolutely blows my mind because within five breaths of giving that my attention, giving it the space, the energy changes, the experience changes. So I start to recognize different layers of life and living beyond the hyper-rational, beyond the logical. There's an energy experienced life. And of course, this, this evolution for me is coinciding with the yoga trainings, teaching yoga. It's, it's not like I did one yoga teacher training and I had it. I was still figuring out how to feel myself and be present with embody myself. Embody that. Embody that and hold space for myself. So in that presence that I feel uh, for us, that you experience with me is palpable because I know how to get there mm. and I can be there like right now in this moment, mm -hmm. connected with the breath and dropping in and, and seeing and being here with you and connected. Yeah. In this moment. So that journey in of itself, absolutely priceless. I could, I could say how many lifetimes have I lived or even within this lifetime, I feel very grateful to have chosen a path where I could experience that in life. Well, it have experienced all of that. And that's the amazing position to get to when you can zoom out and observe it. Right. Then there's the realization of, ah, that happened for me. It facilitated me getting here. And cultivated that. Yes. Right? You know, this conversation, well, the podcast really, about closing the gap between wellness as an industry and wellness as a state of being. Because if we think of weight loss within the fitness industry, what do we think of, right? Crash diets. Crash diets, high, high intensity, Yeah. you know, loads of volume even. And actually what we're Results talking about, oriented. what was the path? Right. You know? Right. Which brings me to... <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's mind-blowing, you know, and great information for a lot of people there because finding oneself in that journey has filled the void, which removed the pacifier. Yeah. Yeah. And then if we're without awareness, it can become a new drug yeah, in, in many pacifier. ways, a new pacifier. That's what happened with me. If we, exercise became the, the new pacifier rather than eating mm. over exercise. And then that would be over and then over, binge eat and then over exercise. So it became this vicious, really frustrating cycle that I was in and being very grateful to, over years, lift myself out of that through connecting back with my body and tapping into <clears throat> what's serving my body to have the dialogue with the experience of our energy is profound. And one of the aspects of seeing the industry and closing the gap is to be in the practice of embodiment of experiencing and, and the vulnerability required to walk the path, to be imperfect, to be what quote unquote imperfect or to be ourselves where we are. And it's that meeting myself where I am. The question is, okay, this is the experience I'm manifesting. 
let me put my attention here. So this is what I'm manifesting. These are the behaviors that have contributed to that. Mm. Now, if I can go from that place, then creating change, inviting change in becomes a lot more simple, a lot more accessible because I'm recognizing what's contributed to what I'm manifesting and the desire is there to create something, experience something different. Mm. Then it can become playful. It can become a game. How do I, how do I experience something different? How do I choose something different? Presence creates the space for that. Presence also, I, th I think the guidance of, well, what you've been guiding people over this weekend, because we've had the NatLife Coach Cert this weekend, right? Mm. Second round of NatLife Coach Certs. And the language plays a large part in that. So there's the, how do I become present? Also, there's the language that's involved that enables us to stay in it. Yes. Like the, I mean, I've been using it a lot since the first level one is the get to versus have to. There's an energetic ex difference. Complete difference in that. And having the sensitivity to slow down the words enough to invite a change in the language, mm. which has been facilitated. You, you, you have an awareness through going through it. I have to do something, written it down, said it out loud. Okay, I, I feel this with that phrase. Okay, let's play one switch let's replace the word have to with get get to it's something quite remarkable i've been coaching for years right i mean years had amazing results right and large groups and you know we've put huge events on right um workshops going back 10 years now from my i'd say my very first serious attempts at workshops and even what was i've explained in the circle here was possibly the acorn of what natlife coach has grown into Yet, I'd never worked with language before with clients, high-profile clients, no matter where they are, right? The student through to billionaire, whoever I've coached on that path, hasn't necessarily been that refined in that language. And it is so transformative, you know, to now get to a stage, and I think almost I could say that not doing it and it landing now is exactly how it's meant to have been again and... Couldn't have imagined it any differently, you know? Yeah. It's happened exactly for me in the way it should to be able to land that now, to refine that coaching practice, to get amazing coaches out into the world that now have all the modalities, all the modalities that enable them to embody practice, but now the language, because we talk about embodiment as in thinking about practices, but there's an embodiment of values, there's an embodiment of language, there's an embodiment of intention, right? And to have that new powerful arm that Cacao Jeff has brought, you know, <laughs> is profound, you know, in terms of the level of coaching now that can go out into the world and express like that and enable others to say, wow, okay, there's a huge shift in this state. There's a huge shift in mind state when I change that language because that language ultimately changes my narrative. Perception. Perception, right? All perception. Because I've learned perception through, I discussed it with Nicholas Romanoff, Pose Memphis, where it first dropped in for me. And that for me was a real epiphany moment, like perception. It's all perception, right? And you can literally change your perception within a breath, right? Mm -hmm. But you can change your perception within a word, you know? It's so cool. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I credit um, the work 
that I've embodied with language to a dear friend and mentor, Mark England. And I was, it's, it's fascinating how we discover these things and, and, and what it is we desire even unconsciously in, in, in our unknown selves, what we're looking for is the next practice. So I did so many yoga teacher trainings. I was fascinated with yoga, with meditation, cultivating awareness, learning about the practices as I feel like anybody should when they discover something that they're passionate about to dive into it. And that's what we've done is, is to dive into the practices, the embodiment to study with teachers that resonate with us. But really experienced it. And experience it. Okay, it, to take one step back from this, to create a practice within your own life mm. is one of the most valuable things we can do. So I'm here attending a yoga teacher training and Mark England's facilitating language. And he starts doing some of these practices that I've shared with NatLife Coaching. And I leaned in. I said, whoa, there's something here. And I really also attribute that to where I was at that. That was years into my meditation practice. And I was sharing this with the group earlier. I, I make sure to distinguish between meditation practice and meditation. Meditation is a state of being. So I've learned to have a vocabulary of life where there's the, the word, which is a step. It, even a word has to be a step away from the experience. And a word can facilitate an experience. And how does that happen? So through practicing meditation, also becoming, going deep into guiding meditations for others, I start to recognize I'm using language to move in my own meditation practice to move my attention. And when I'm guiding meditation, language is supporting this person and moving their attention. Mm. And when attention touches something, an experience gets created. So then how valuable does it become when we recognize the words we're choosing are influencing our perception, therefore then the experience that we have within that, of reality, of ourselves, of all, you name it. And if there's a, a possibility of more lightness, more spaciousness, more health, vitality, lightness, playfulness, then there's a way to put my attention that can create that. So I become very curious about what are the words, what are the things that can move my attention in that direction that can touch that, that then I can create the experience, co-create the experience of that. And, and it, it's amazing because it can be in a word. It can be in one word, one change that can shatter somebody's story, that can shatter a, a reality that we've put ourselves in a box into. Mm. One word can be different. Once, yeah, once I'd heard it and heard the power of that, like when you reference spelling and thinking about, you know, you're, when you're writing something, you're spelling something, therefore you're it's, a, word, it's a spell. A, a word or phrase. Yeah. Of great influence. You're spelling, right? And it, threw me back into running or attempting to run the Southwest Coastal Path, blowing a calf, being out there for days hobbling. And the guys are like, well, Chris Geisler and Chris Baker, like, when's he going to finish? When's he, you know, when's this going to end? And, and I just said, look, Chris, I'm, I'm, I, haven't, I haven't received what I feel like I'm meant to receive yet. And it was like, it's a bit dangerous ground, that Tony. And I was like, no, 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 no even the dangerous ground yeah you know then you've planting the seeds where's that coming from right you realize that language 
Anyway, so now I'm hobbling along and I then find a little shuffle and I can kind of do something that's not a run. It's like a hunter-gatherer shuffle and it's painful. It's like bing, bing, bing in the calf and gnarly. And then I start crying, not because of the pain, just the sheer privilege. Like, oh my God, this is, I'm so grateful right now in my being, not, not the intellectual term of I'm grateful. The experience. The feeling, like the real feeling. deep feeling of gratitude and privilege, right? It's so yeah. different to, you know, I am grateful yes, or yes. mantraing it even. Yeah. Or the mantra could lead to that where it's over and over and over again, then you feel it in your being. This was so deep because it was coming from a real emotional, I guess, breaking down only over a period of time that is now so sensitive to that experience. And the words privilege came in, and then the privilege was, oh, my God, what a privilege it is to be able to run, you know? Oh, my God, what a privilege it is to be able to walk. What a privilege it is to be able to run. What a privilege it is to be alive. Because the word privilege has been tainted. So we've almost lost perception of the word what privilege means, right? So I'm now feeling this huge privilege to be able to walk, run, be alive. And then gratitude came in, right? oh my God, you know, I could have been hobbling along this path forever if my parents hadn't taken me to see who they needed to take me to see for being born with club feet. Oh my God, I've never thanked them, you know? And so all of this come from the feeling of that word, spell, whatever it is that enters at that moment. And then from there, that's a very different sense you know, so that now that's enabled me to when I go out and run rather than, a, you know, I, I have to run tomorrow or I have to go for a run. Yeah, there's a I get to go and run. I've changed that. That's amazing. You know, I get to go to the shops even or I get to go and do some of the most menial tasks. But also for me, what's really worked is that word privilege. It's a huge privilege mm. to be able to go to the shops. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a huge privilege to go for that run. And then what comes from that is it's almost like the privilege is because some can't, you know, some can't walk, some can't run. What are we going to do with that privilege? What are we going to do with mm. the privilege of living this life? You know, we're going to have it. We're going to have it. And that's in the, that's, and we're going to get to live it. Yeah. You know, that coincides for me greatly with the reciprocity, mm. the experience. And that comes to, okay, words can move our attention. And I've been in a mechanical gratitude practice. Same thing with meditation. Pe people said, practice gratitude, you'll feel great. Practice gratitude, it'll make you, you'll, you'll be better. You'll, it'll make you enjoy life more. And I'm like, I want that. <laughs> so I had a couple of Give years. Yeah, a couple of years of a mechanical gratitude practice, writing things down, where sometimes, you know, the spark can flicker, and it can shift things a little bit. And what I realized is through slowing that process down, I can amplify how much I'm able to receive of that. And I, and I liken that to your experience on the trail. You were broken down. The m ways in which that was suppressed got dissolved. And the overwhelming, the washing over, I can experience, I can imagine it just washing over incredible sense of gratitude with the, I, with the recognition, the ability to receive 
that you have these gifts mm. to walk, to run, to breathe, to run, to go to the shop, whatever it is. And that's in, it can be so mundane. However, how, how much of it are you willing to receive? Am I willing to receive? Because then we can have it. Mm. Which brings us back into the presence, right? Yes. Again. That's happening right now. That's happening right now. <laughs> we have our moments where we just giggle, drop into some giggles. You know, it's not the be here now, it's it's happening right now. Yeah. I think um let's let's go a bit earlier into Jeff. What was what was what was childhood for Jeff? You know, because if you go into the the pacifying way it got to food and it got to running was that would you feel there was because normally that comes in from suffering right mm. i always feel it's like there's a lack of something so we feel that void mm. was there something that jeff was missing right you know through hindsight and diving into my healing journey i know now about myself i'm very sensitive I'm a very sensitive being. I pick up on feelings. I pick up, I have big feel. I experience big feelings. Mm. And there was a lot of big toxic emotions and feelings and dynamics swirling around in my childhood. And one thing I'll say, it's immediately grateful for it all because here I am now. Yeah. And uh, so there's that piece. And to step away from that and, and look at what, created the Jeff that need that that required transformation that needed that had experienced the pain enough to to, ex to do something different or to change was definitely seated in my childhood where there was a lot of toxic dynamics whether it was manipulation uh the, the subtle things the emotional things a lot of my uh, on my mother's side and and I can say that my mother passed away close to 10 years ago now. And while I had a beautiful relationship with my mother, it was also complex. And that complexity has been unraveled over the years through, you know, going to these practices, therapy, understanding more deeply the mechanics and the, the dynamics that were unfolding for me. I can say that there were moments where I felt guilt and shame for, for loving my dad. My parents split up when I was three, so I would get one weekend um, every, was it every weekend or it was every other weekend I'd get with my dad, and that time I would experience freedom. That time I'd get to be who, I, I would feel like I could be who I am. And the times with, with mother, and also, to give this some context, it's also being in school with mm -hmm. mother, mm -hmm. being in the family dynamic with mother, mm -hmm. and being with mother, being with mom. So it's not just her, it's all those other factors contributing to me feeling like I can't really be myself and also the, the big energy around that. And there'd be moments where uh, wherever my mother learned it, whatever it was, it, was, it became a device, a manipulation device to feel shame around loving my dad and wanting to go visit my dad. And, and, I, and I know that that shows up in a lot of divorce parents experience, children of divorced parents experience that where one parent can step into the role of, of manipulating for, for whatever their toxic needs are. And I use the word toxic through the experience and, and understanding 
some of the more psychological sides of it mm-hmm. needs to be filled that 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 will get put into the child as a manipulation device for example i need to feel significant i need to feel important toxic needs i can manipulate this young child into seeing me as a god or into or into being all powerful i need to feel powerful right so whatever that was in my mother and i you know i don't know what her experience was but i do know that so that's the more clinical side of it but i also know i had a strong connection and love for my mother and how many times in ceremonies where i've sat where i would love to be with my mother and and even it's interesting because my relationship with my mother has evolved so much since she passed away that i have a, a healed beautiful relationship with my mother in fact when she did pass away a huge energy energy shift occurred that it was now i'm no longer going to be an engineer to make mom proud for the significance the status what does my best self look like and somehow i knew my mother beyond the grave or or beyond the physical form had that intention for me that all that i needed to do was explore my potential so it's no longer about fulfilling what made her proud or what made you know what was fulfilling for her it became more about me and breaking that down. So childhood, those strong toxic dynamics, food became my medicine. There was lots of drug abuse. My mother passed away because in my opinion, a decade of being over over prescribed pharmaceutical pain medicine, she had diagnosed with cancer, diagnosed with several other. She created a very toxic environment within herself. I can reflect in uh, that as an observation within her mind, within her body. So these things manifested and so Thanks, uh, Western pharmaceutical complex. She gets, anytime she tells the doctor she has pain, she gets the highest grade pharmaceutical painkiller she can get. And um, yeah, I saw that. So I, I lost my Which mother. Which then become addictive. Yeah, absolutely. And then the pain isn't so much the pain, it's the, the pain, addiction seeking yeah. the pain to get the prescription. Yeah, absolutely. So in a sense, I... When I, it's sometimes it's sad to me to, to to consider that I lost my mother even before I lost my mother in the physical sense, and so we we had I don't know a good long time with that, um, and th- and those experiences led me to choose food as the way I would avoid feeling. So if I'm eating something, I can I can experience the the eating and the taste, and of course standard american diet hyper yeah i was about to say what was the food of choice you know pantry rating processed sugars cookies um my mother was a sugar addict so i'd get get the ice cream sandwiches and and also it was wrapped in shame too because i would hide it Mm. i was already overweight i would hide it i would i would do it when nobody was looking so that that was plenty that came unpacked even after i lost weight because those that mechanism still is there, even if there's a considerable change that takes place. So it's like a matter of what's the energy of that? What's not being felt that I can then process? And what are even the stories around that, that I can process and move that energy that keeps getting stuck every time I try and hide something? Yeah, so you, you, it's finding forgiveness, isn't it? It's also oh, finding yeah, forgiveness absolutely. for the moments when you were hiding because we have yes. a memory of, oh, I remember when I was hiding yes. doing this. 
because of the guilt and shame. Yes. And then it's forgiving oneself through that process. Yeah. Yes, myself, Mm. um, my inner child, my mother, my sister, in some cases, in that experience. So that's how I got to be close to 300 pounds. 300 pounds, really? Yeah, uh, 280 was over 280. I definitely weighed into that when I started my weight loss journey. I weighed in at 280, and I'm sure I weighed more than that. I consider the weight loss journey the cracking of the egg and then exploring different dimensions of my being. So the, so the yoga practice from yoga practice, well, to, from yoga to the Jeff that we know and love for ceremony today, you know, where'd that come from? The cacao ceremony, the ceremonies that we've sat in that have inspired so many brought tears to some laughter to some I guess have been hugely transformative for some and largely comes down to the presence of Jeff holding that ceremony even if we flip back to the again the NatLife coach the first one that we held and just the the start of that segment of here's a segment on holding sacred space ceremony and language and it simply started with a breath, right? Mm-hmm. And then again, cultivating awareness. And and everyone in the room felt it. And it was in such a short window of time. So refining that. So from yoga practice to that, how do we get how do we get to there? Yeah. To that to to that level of presence that's then felt the ripples of that within a room and yeah. out further, no doubt. Yeah. It's recognizing that I can facilitate that, which came in early in, in the yoga where we were, we'd had plenty of group sharing experiences where I was still sharing vulnerably in the throes of the, the patterns I was experiencing, the habits and behaviors around diet, around overeating and everything. And, and this was after I'd lost weight. So one day in a break, one of the yoga facilitators, one of the teachers on that training says, you know, Jeff, when you speak, people listen. And that, and sometimes it feels um, karmic and dharmic that that landed for me so significantly because I chose to recognize that and lean into it and lean into it in a way that was aligned with what I wanted to create. And after doing one foundational yoga teacher training, I started teaching yoga and found very quickly that, well, even before that, I was facilitating boot camp and group fitness. So I was doing that. And then yoga became the thing. And I started to experience healing. Like the, before yoga teacher training, if you asked me what healing was, I said, you get a bruise and it goes away, you healed. So I had no context for like the emotional baggage. Out of it. On that. <laughs> <laughs> the psych, healing in the psyche. So I leaned into yoga for that. And then, of course, the meditation practice brought me an experience of presence. And when I experience presence, it's like, what? Whoa, that's something new. That's something I and I just get a taste of it here and there through meditation practice. And it's that it's getting to that, letting that be there when something else can come through. But yeah, has Jeff's voice, has Jeff's experience and everything like that and something else can come through too 
So having the understanding that when I speak, I can hold, I can captivate and understanding also there's a craft within that. Starting to teach yoga classes, quickly realizing to teach a one hour yoga class is nice. People have a good feeling afterwards. And there was a level of fulfillment that I felt I could elevate in. And so that became holding workshops, holding workshops, three hour workshop. Now what, now how much can I bring to the table? How, how much transformation or deep experience? Because when I felt that presence, I, wa I was really wanted to share that with others. This is a, this is some cool shit. Like, yeah, when it lands, when it lands, yeah, right. It comes in. And, and because I had the experience also of not, of being so, of realizing how unpresent I was and potentially that's where a lot of people are. And there's not yet the awareness that there's this significant shift from being fully identified with the ego state to a presence and experience of energy of self and what that feels like. So, so having that there is th tr creating a rainbow bridge for that experience. So those were the workshops I started to create around being with, eye gazing, hugging, connection within the context of a yoga practice to bring in movements that harmonize energy, that facilitate the sensitivity that can allow somebody to be more receptive, receptive in a receiving space to, ha to have that experience. Because to me, that was like the coolest thing ever. It is still is the coolest thing ever. So there, I got into workshops and was very uh, fortunate to be empowered by other mentors. And I consider you in this, that I've often been graced by mentors on, on my path that give me the, the space to hold space. And so another, um, to grow into, to grow space. into. Yeah. So I was gifted that with, uh, Jack and Hana and, and happy Jack yoga and just to help them create their yoga teacher training school and to start co-facilitating on the trainings on the, on the aspects that really lit me up. And on that journey, I was still curious and diving more into trainings myself. And one of those trainings, those trainings started to have elements of shamanism in them. Mm. And the first training I did with shamanism was happened to be in India, but my facilitators, my teachers came from Mexico and they brought in their shamanic practices of sweat lodge, working with cacao, medicine songs, the traditions, the opening of the space traditionally, calling in the directions, connecting with the elements in a, in a, authentic and also a, a deeply connected way of how are these elements expressing in life? And yoga has aspects of that. Ayurveda has aspects of that. I, the wisdom of life, Ayurveda is the sister science of yoga, the way that we could embody health so that the spiritual technology of yoga can take us there. Mm -hmm. So I learned about elements in Ayurveda, and then I learned about elements in shamanism. And this connecting with elements more deeply within what's manifesting here. What are the qualities of the elements that are manifesting here? And then I did a cacao ceremony with my teacher, Carlos in India of all places, the, the land of yoga. Mm. And we were in a space and, and Carlos opened the space. We drank the cacao 
And at some point in in a in a process, I feel the experience of the cacao. I feel the consciousness. I feel the sense that I'm with another consciousness in me that this that is brought upon by the medicine of cacao. And that's the intention. Like the ceremonial cacao in its form has a consciousness to bring us back to ourselves. And I felt that. And I had this imagine I had this visual. So at first I was in the room and I was seeing my friends. We'd been on this yoga teacher training together. We're friends. We've made connections. Deep connections happen really quickly. And I feel the gratitude for all of them. And then in this visualization, I start to see them fall away as if they're on a wall or something and they fall off. And in, in, in a split second, that went from a, a losing that, a losing that to the attachment just dissolved. So there was no attachment. And so I started to experience things that I was attached to, things that I had, things that I would practice gratitude with that I had like material things or even friendships or whatever that is, they start falling off the wall, falling off the wall. And yet the sense and experience of love is growing within me. And all of a sudden the wall falls and it's like, there's this other experience behind the wall that is, that is eternal, that could not fall, that would not change. Mm. And that was my first taste of divine, unconditional beingness and the experience of love within that. And when I experienced that, it was, it was another, you know, holy shit, Moment. life, life, like, whoa, life, thank you for this being, for this experience. And so having had that and being empowered with the tool, some of just a small taste of the tools in shamanism and the desire to hold space, the next yoga teacher training I was facilitating with Happy Jack Yoga, I was talking to Jack about the experience is, yeah, Jack is the leader of Happy Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> In case you I missed was, that. <laughs> no, I was smiling because your eyes lit up. You know, it's like, oh, right. Jack goes, I well. I speak to Jack. Yeah. Because I'm so inspired by this stuff right now. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, why don't you lead a cacao ceremony at the next training? Yeah. I was all for it. Got my cacao from Carlos. Got nervous as hell. Of course. And, I, and I've learned... That, that, that those nerves are superpowers. Lean into it. I love supporting now facilitators. I love supporting people that are walking a similar path to me and they have this desire and they've been lit up by these experiences and they desire to share them. And then what gets in the way is the nerves, the fear, the what if I get it wrong, the what if I mess it up, what if I don't do it right? And I've experienced all of that. And I've chosen... There's a big part of me that wants to continue to grow. And so that part, because that part is bigger, I've chosen to be with those nerves, the experience, the fear, and still facilitate and still hold space. And I liken that to a superpower because that drops me into a deeper presence. And if I, if and when I speak to that, people into this moment because I'm speaking from what's alive in me. And when mm. I speak to what's alive in me, and that's become the, the practice, that's become the craft that brings people into the moment. So when I, for example, facilitating cacao ceremony, I, I've got to be over 50 now ceremonies over the years. Yours have been the biggest groups. I scratched my head when you invited me to come do a cacao ceremony for 100 people. 
Mm -hmm. like the biggest one I think I've ever done is 30. What's it going to be like to serve cacao and hold space for a hundred people? Nerves. How was it? The energy was incredible. Yeah. And, and I let that energy support me in my facilitating. And I recognize that by that point, I've, I've facilitated a lot of trainings, held a lot of space, cacao ceremonies, the hundred people, I felt nerves for sure. And I was able to lean into that and to allow the energy of the group support me. And, and when that's happening, because my intention is for the healing, is for the greater connection of us all, it's amplifying that intention, which is coming through me. Mm-hmm. So all I need to do is be at the vessel for that. And I've acquired some skills, some tools, some practices throughout my my days and learn plenty of things. And those can come through exactly as the medicine they need to be. It's the energy of the experience and the presence that allow it to, to blossom into something which I could never take credit for. And people, it's, I, I feel super blessed and grateful for all the praise and gratitude from the, the tribe and from those who've been in the experience with us on the hundred human experiences. And I do my best to receive that, but also to receive that in a very, in a way that's also knowing that there's so much more than just me. It's like, it's us. We created that. Yeah, it's been humble to the experience, isn't it? Also, um, and the medicine. The medicine, yeah. You know? The, the medicine, absolutely. So let's discuss yeah. the medicine, right? Cacao. Cacao. Because... The most recent one, we had 120 people. Mm. And some in the past, it's people that have perhaps been around that, those, mo- some of those modalities already, like the play and ice baths and breath. And on this one, we had people that hadn't ever experienced that and definitely had an experienced cacao ceremony. Mm. And there's always this moment, I mentioned, I mentioned it on a previous podcast, is that moment when we pour the cacao and they have a, cacao in their hands and they're thinking because i've been there ah it's like i'm gonna sip hot chocolate right now or how i've made cacao in the past right Mm. um and then there's this moment when we all drink together and then you look around the room and there is this Mm. moment there right that's not what i expected but then once that's gone and the eyes are down and there's a sitting and there's a being and you take people on a journey something else happens what's happening there you know what's happening in that moment how does how do we act how do we access that through the medicine right this for me it starts when we open the space yeah and uh, the all of the practices are medicine and what's beautiful about and I'll say, I'll, I'll drop it here. Mother cacao. Yeah. The consciousness, the beingness, this, this, this plant has an intelligence, a consciousness in of its own. So as much as we think we've chosen to sit in a circle and drink cacao, so has the cacao chosen to be with us. Mm. And so that realization for me and speaking through that awareness that even opening the space is a medicine inviting in the elements and the qualities that we want to have with us in this experience, a prayer, if you will. Which is the ceremony. Yes, the container. And then cacao itself is such a 
beautiful medicine because it can it can be a medicine that facilitates any kind of ceremony, any kind of container, because of the the desire for cacao, the consciousness. And if 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 you're listening to this and you feel disconnected with this, we have the quantum physics model where the observer changes what's observed. Mm -hmm. So if you can create a shift where you start to experience consciousness in the things around you. And then we talk about mother cacao as, as a being, as an, as a, with a desire to create healing and to create connection and to facilitate love. I'd much, for me, I'd much rather talk about that than the neurochemicals that get released, the blood vessel dilation that comes from putting cayenne pepper in it. And, and I understand that people love hearing that teobroma, food of the gods, releasing oxytocin, release, releasing anandamine, love hormone, love chemicals. So it, it literally gives us a sense of flush. Mm. If you experience that, the flush, and, the, and then the, there's a melt. I'm using words that are onomatopoeic almost. It's, ah, and then a heart opens, heart chakra opens, and receiving is more available there. The heart chakra is open. And so is forgiveness, and so is the process of grieving. So the tools that work really well with cacao are tools that facilitate or journeys that facilitate gratitude, mm -hmm. grieving, forgiveness, letting go, creating space for, for gratitude for being to show up. Because if I remove what's holding me back, a judgment or a story about how something happened in my childhood, if I can see that from a new perspective, and, it, and this is where the words come back in, if I can guide that where that story gets seen from a different point of view and becomes a whole new story, then gratitude can flood. And Mother Cacao is there making sure that I've got, I'm saying what I need to say to facilitate that. And this person's receiving what they need to receive to facilitate that so mm. that it can happen, so that, and the tears can come in the energy can move, the gratitude can spill, can pour, can come in waves. So when we talk about the medicine and how uh, for thousands of years, cacao has been used as medicine by the Mayans, even, even um, in the ancient civilization, the Mayan civilization, cacao was, the beans were used as a currency. And the kings and the priests would drink cacao. It wasn't necessarily for people out of ceremony. It was had that ceremonial context or the elevated context. Yeah, for the elevated consciousness, right? Right. What's the... There's a prayer in there. You know, the expectations I have, expectations I put on Mother expectations i is forgiveness is how does that uh, hoponopono yeah can we yeah hoponopono is an an indigenous hawaiian the people indigenous to hawaii the island before colonization before all that because had, it's it's it'd be great if you can kind of voice it that? because it's it's that. so powerful and i think again when we're in ceremony suddenly there's a big shift in that moment. Mm. Like there's an emotional shift, I would say, when that mm -hmm. prayer right. comes. 
and again witnessing what we could class as some pretty big dudes in the room you know who are there of course like you know they've come in it's like you can there's an element of what's this cacao business and the language perhaps that's been used and yes and then the medicine comes in and there's a point of stillness and again however you want to unpack what's in cacao of what that's stimulating for in the system but there's a, a significant shift when that prayer comes in yeah. emotional shift like the tears come there's you hear sobbing in the room and there's a deep process that seems to come in at that moment which brings it back to again the power of the word right right you know and the and how how charged that prayer is because it's been used for thousands of years Ho'oponopono mm. literally means to make right to set things right and that comes in at the level of perception of reality so one of the very strong aspects of Ho'oponopono is to elevate oneself into the responsibility and and not responsibility as a weight responsibility as a virtue and power to recognize this reality that you're experiencing you've created this life is as you experience it because you exist in this body in this embodied form so if you've made something wrong in your life it started with your perception of it being a wrong mm. and so when that starts to shift whatever well, and the story that comes the with story that. that comes with it which the story we know from the language locks somebody into one frame of reference it happened like this it happened to me yeah and not imagining it in any other and, form and they did it or whatever it was and so the process is with the Ho'oponopono is to take it in steps, to take it lightly at first, to tiptoe into it. You know, your friend, that time you said something you didn't mean to say, or that you, you later realized you were being critical. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Because then you can start to release the judgment upon it. And that would be when it gets into the metaphysical into the quantum that's all seated in us because we chose that perception of that wrongness so then the energy gets to move mm. and it gets to move with a friend with a stranger with an enemy with our parents our mother our father our abusers and then we walk right into the deep end with our inner child yeah and realize how we've, in, a, in essence, perpetuated victimhood and villainy through our perception. And we can heal that and we can make it, we can bring it back to its wholeness, which is a, to make things right would be also to make things whole. Mm. So wholeness can come in. And, and a lot of that, it, it I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Like that's that's a whole circle, isn't it? Yeah. And when that wholeness can be experienced, there's also the ability to receive it, to receive what's available there. Whether it's immense gratitude or the forgiveness or the grief or the love or 
replace or with and all of those. Yeah, also feels yeah. There's an there's also an element of there's the real letting go in that process, right? And in order to grow, we have to let let go, go of something, a perception or a fixed point of view on yeah. ourselves. And it's so easy to build those stories. We're really good at it. We've been practicing it. Yeah, we really are. It's um, everyone has a story, right? You know, it reminds me of well, I was discussing this with two ceremonies that I'd done, and we touched on attachment earlier. One ceremony I did was with Bufo, you know, the Sonoran Desert Toad, and in that I had a complete letting go of all attachment. But it was so selective. It was like, hey, okay, these are the things that aren't serving me, but you can keep these things because these things are you're on the right path. Yeah. You know, powerful to be able to go through the intricacies of that and how precise that is when you unpack it. And then another ceremony was with a root of another plant. And that then is about the going in. So rather than ascending, which is a large amount of the plant medicines in that psychedelics world, including working with Bufo or DMT. Yeah, that you're ascending and we can also go on the path of people can be in that for a while wanting that ascending you know but really this practice was about really going in and flipping up the subconscious and literally seeing your the traumas come up Mm -hmm. and what was so fascinating is a real highlight for me about the story because it was so vivid it was taking me into my parents house but not as their house well, they just sold it, but not as the house as it was just before they sold it, but right back to when I was the boy. So I got to see myself as the boy, and then I got to see their house exactly how it was before it ever had any renovations almost. Like the furniture, everything was so identical to have that memory of it. And then I got to see it like observe, the observer. So I was seeing the room through me, the boy. I was seeing the room through being the observer. And then I was also seeing the room through the emotions in the room and what my dad was feeling and my mum was feeling and I was feeling. And the realisation that the story I'd created in in adult Tony was nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It evaporated. Compared to what? actually happened you know i created this huge story around it you know and actually it wasn't that at all and yet that story had been guiding me right it's so important to kind of the victimhood or to get back to some baseline and remove the story you know yeah so so important to make peace with that and to let go of it and create the space to grow because my realization was then that, hold on, so up until this point, almost like until I let go of what I perceived as the trauma or the story, those perceived traumas or stories were guiding everything else I was doing. Yes. Because that was the lens of which I was choosing to view it through, including the plant medicines that were about ascending. Wow. You know, so it was about dealing with what was in the unconscious. 
And that's the tricky piece. Yeah. And, and that's where it comes in that plant medicines can be incredibly powerful. Mm. And y yoga and meditation done diligently for yoga practices, breath work, breath work can get us into our, uncon can allow unconscious things to come up. We don't know, we don't, we don't, that's why it's called the unconscious is we don't, we aren't aware of it. No. And that's a tricky thing. And so allowing the space and the tools, the many tools that we're blessed are being able to come back and serve and support human beings coming back into harmony, which is what's happening, what we're seeing more of we're able to heal the unconscious wounding mm. and and see it and the collective and the unconscious. and that working in the collective unconscious and that's why i believe things seem so interesting these days and fascinating and and even to a degree unstable because so much healing is happening mm. Yeah. And who knows where that goes? Yeah, I, I mean, I see it a lot in the, obviously the men's work that we're doing as well. And within the 100 Human Experience, even in the coaching here, we've had that depth of healing that comes in. One in particular was just, again, the reframing of the language, right? The could to should. Huge. You know? Should to should could can will or wherever you're at in that process because that's also a way of being conscious and and not allowing that story to play out right and that and the language work is recognizing the potency in the language work is that we're approximately 95% unconscious of yes. the words that are flowing out of our mouth. And so if there's a way to slow down that process, and there is, it's writing it down, and seeing the words that are on paper, creating space with breath, and then choosing different words and see what shows up can create a completely different experience. Mm. If you could go back to... Um, with the tools that you have now. Okay, if you had the tools that you have now, what would you give him? What would you have given mum, dad? Ooh, as boy, what a cool question. Back then, as as boy who felt there was perhaps yeah, what you explained as toxic, almost like a manipulation or leverage yes. that was being used there. Yes, what tools? language even what would what would you have coached as jeff today right if they had a willingness if they to, were to receive coaching if they were willing yes to receive i would sit with my mother and be i would <laughs> be present that, like, wow. i would be present and we'd have mm. a good cry yeah i would ask her to share I would be interested to hear about her experiences in her childhood, her experiences with her dad. Suicide was a played an incredibly prominent role in my life. My grandfather on my mother's side committed suicide. 
her father, mm -hmm. um, her brother, my uncle, who was uh, for a period a father figure for me, committed suicide. So I would sit with my mother and I would hold space for her. And also, I, if she, again, if she was back to the willingness, which is interesting for me to reflect on, how willing would she be? Uh, reflect and hold her accountable to doing some of these processes because it's it can be we receive the medicine when we're ready to receive it, whatever that is. I believe that. Whether that's the mentor, the coach, the practice, plant medicine, I believe conversation the even. conversation even. Even yeah. how this will be received. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. You know? Exactly. But with this, it will be, for me, it would be a bit like the, um, before presenting the model on the evolution of the digestive system, food systems, hormonal systems, this will be a bit triggering for some of you. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to do some breath first. Why do we have to do breath first? So we can have an empty cup and a beginner's yes. mind to receive this run rather than immediately the walls, the shutters going up <clears throat> because we can be triggered quite easily around digest di diets alone, right? right? And the labels that we give ourselves, yeah. Right. I would, I would facilitate create a container. I'm thinking more about my mother, mm. a safe space with, with breath, build that relationship over time so that more presence can come in Yeah, and allow for there to be no hiding anything anymore and allow and, and do, and work and do story work too. We'd have some cacao. I'm thinking, I'm, you've got me thinking. It's, yeah. Yeah. Man, it's yeah. Like... yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And dad's alive, right? Dad's alive. Okay. And dad's loves his lifestyle, is committed to his lifestyle, and we have a great relationship. It, and our lifestyles are very different. And uh, part of the grace with my father is that he's always let me be me. I'd say when I got my degree in university, my engineering degree, that was one thing he really wanted to see me achieve because he never did that. Mm. And so I'd say to some degree, that was a, that was something that he really desired for me to have for myself because he saw the, he was conditioned into and bought into the story that we need to go to university. We need to go to college, get a degree, and then we can be successful in life. So he wanted that for me. I know where that comes from. So I would facilitate, um, yeah, the ways my dad and I connect are, you know, sometimes he's had a few drinks and, and the, the threshold is down and, and I can hold space or I can listen. And um, back to one of the things that he's been intrinsically, I'm not even sure how he manage, manages or what, what his processes, but he's always let me be me. And that's even when I quit engineering to be, to study something else and then decided to be a yoga teacher. I totally had the story of this isn't something a man's supposed to do. And my dad's a man's man. What is he going to think about this? I got support. I, <clears throat> I had that. So when I first, um, man, I left the army. Right. 
<clears throat> I got completely lost after that. I found myself immersed in the very same behaviors I believe I was choosing to remove myself from by joining the army. Right. And then there was drugs and crime and all kinds of stuff floating in. And then I found personal training. From personal training, I found Pilates. But Pilates back then was very different to Pilates how we see it now. Um, and this was a the videos that I had observing of reformer series or Cadillac series is some of the equipment that's basically used in Pilates. Um, these two dancers come out in leotards and they jump across the screen like land in a plie. <laughs> we had VHS then, so I put the VHS in, I play it, and my dad sees it and he and he says, You're not bloody teaching that, are you? <laughs> <laughs> so i i yeah yeah I, I feel that yeah yeah similar similar with my dad yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, you know in, in reflection that he's tried yoga a couple of times i've taught him I've gone through some breath and movement with him and he's like yeah it's great and i'm like well, let's do it every day he's like no <laughs> getting him to um go for a daily walk even um so I, one of the, it, this is interesting for me because there was a point where I decided I'm, I'm not going to try and change or fix my dad mm. as different as we are. And as, as much as I feel inspired by my choices and empowered by my choices and how I see him in his health and, you know, things that are showing up for him, when I let go of the need to change or fix him, one, we got closer together, and two, I, le I felt a lot more at ease. So mm. we, we can both, what's beautiful about this, we can be who we are, and we can have our relationship. So I, I know, and I know we're speaking to a lot of people that have embraced a new kind of lifestyle, and they want to see the change in their, in their loved ones, and that can create conflict and friction. And my question is, uh, it, it comes to it, People will receive when they're ready. The willingness. When, when the willingness is there. Mm. And the more we can, I, I've been okay with that, the more love is present between us and it's acceptance. And I feel like that's a significant component of the collective shift that we are co-creating is to be for what we are for, fully engaged, leaders, showing up, holding space for those who are willing and to be completely allowing of anybody else who wants to be in their journey. 100%. Yeah, I, I have the same relationship with my parents. It's like I went down the path of, oh, yeah. I can fix you. Why are, you, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? And it's like, oh, it's, that's their path. It's their yeah. journey. Who am I? You know? And um, it came to a point when the realization was it's just within even my whole coaching practice from the knowing to the knowing it to the embodying it right and the embodying comes from the experiencing it and the knowledge creates the wisdom right and also how we lead ourselves and that's leadership then how we lead ourselves right true mm. leadership is the real embodiment and being the change is also how we embody it and lead ourselves. 
and then there's then inquiry you know from mum dad oh what's this you're doing now what's this yeah from a place of interest you know because it's just a state of being rather than pushing it because i'm not quite there yet at truly being it right you know huge Mm. the being piece is huge right which brings it right back to presence again right moment being in the moment and being um this is a bit fast forward from taking you out of the moment right we can say intention right where's the intention now where where do you where where's the where, what's the going forward going forward because i know that takes us out of the moment but i set intentions you know from the moment from the moment of thinking where i am and then that becomes my steers my ship almost and helps my leadership and it underpins me you know it could be close the gap between wellness as an industry and wellness as a state of being there's an intention there right yeah to steer the ship i love our brother um chris who does the integration at 100 humans and he talks about intention chris james chris james and how and i love intentions from the point of view of language Mm -hmm. that we're sending arrows we're sending words out and we let it go as well as part of that in tension the bow is drawn the bow is drawn creates the tension yeah the words are the direction where's yeah. where are you aiming this yeah you let it go mm. i for me the intention going forward is to keep stepping in my role as a leader being humble to my craft how can i hold space how can i be a student continue to be a student and also a leader an embodied leader and that looks like saying yes to the opportunities that are presented in front of me mm-hmm. that align and when that's a big part for me saying yes to opportunities that are presented to me I've, that as a if you look at me as a through astrology or human design which are different modalities if if you're not familiar i'm a a projector so they say that projectors get invited into and so to to be present and patient and hold space for the invitation and and be in the embodiment so that when the invitation is there stepping into it is is there too Mm. and there's a part of me that loves to focus on what opportunities can I also create for myself? Whether that be, and in, in, in I see that as leaning into the role of an entrepreneur of the the business side, because I know that for me, that's been in my shadow of, and I feel like it's, I, I share that with many, of leaning into the exchange, of leaning well, I think in, you've shared it with many, and it, it yeah, and... You share that with many, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, intention keep keep going because I've I'm I feel aligned, and I am aligned. Direction. Yeah. Yeah. And you shared you reflected that with me the other yesterday, and I greatly appreciated that. That uh, I'm just getting started, 
Well, if we think of this being a new moment, we're always just getting started. I, I like to think of it in the context of playing the long game, right? Uh, I see what you've done in 10 years, Tony. Mm. I, I madly respect and am inspired. So I'm in it for the long game. I know you're in it for the long game. Yeah, I am. Um, I kind of remove game. Yeah. You know, for life. Yeah. I, I had that profound moment in the opening circle here, you know. And we're all sitting around and I ask, why is everyone here, you know? Right. And introduce their name. And I just said, I'm here because I couldn't have imagined myself anywhere else. Which was really quite profound, right? It's, ah, it's not from a place of ego, I imagine this, but it's, again, it's setting that intention of this is, this is what I'm creating, you know? Mm -hmm. And co-creating, because mm -hmm. this is this this experience, even this weekend, is a co-creation, you know, with yourself and Kate and Kieran and Alice. Yeah, know. great group. It's a great it's a great group, and again, going to be putting an even bigger, amazing group out into the world. Right. Um, and I'm and I mean every word of that, you know, in that growth piece, and definitely you have to keep doing what you're doing, you know, and keep growing within that and keep leaning into the power that's within that you know because that's the leaning in right right because we're also fearful about unleashing our power right or unleashing our unique gifts and talents or even identifying what they are to free them up to unleash them right mm -hmm. so keep doing that brother and I love you, man. I love you too, Tony. You know, it's I amazing, you too, brother. It's amazing what you're creating, and again, just taking it back to the feelings that are in the room when you've even opened after a few minutes. So, if you're out there, find Jeff, even if it means spending five minutes, because you'll feel it. There's a great, great presence there, and if you keep that cultivating going, it's going to be. Wow. Mm. Think what you where you can go with that. Where you can take others with that, I would say. Where we can go. Where we can go. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, brother. Can we have a hug? Yeah. Yeah, come on, man. Let's close it there. Come on, you beautiful baby. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you feel drawn to do so, then please subscribe to the show, leave a review, and don't forget to share. Sharing is caring. It really helps me to help others. If you're drawn to immersing yourself in any of the NatLife experiences or see yourself as a NatLife coach, head to TonyRiddle.com for details of how to immerse yourself in the community. You can follow my adventures on Instagram at The Natural Lifestylist. Big shout out to Simon from We Are The Clarks for producing, filming, editing. Much love. Much love.